It is day five of Dafvav. We are holding the Gemara on Dafvav on the base about 20 lines up from the bottom of the page. Yesterday we left off with a question. The Brysa had told us that a person can be liable for transgressing the prohibition of Balta Acher, of delaying payment of a vow, a verbal commitment he made to bring a sacrifice to the Beis HaMikdash, not only if three festivals have passed since he made his vow, but even if a year passed since he made his vow and three festivals have not passed. If, if a year has gone by since he made his vow, even if that year has not included three festivals, then he can be liable for the prohibition of Balta Acher, of delaying payment of his vow. And the Gemara wanted to know, how could you ever have a case where you have a year go by without three festivals going by? So we had a couple of answers yesterday. According to Rabbi Shimon, the festivals have to pass in sequence in order for you to be liable based on the passage of three festivals. And you could have a year go by without the three festivals passing in sequence. So according to Rabbi Shimon's view, it would be foreseeable that you could have a case where a year goes by without three festivals passing in sequence. And therefore the Brysa comes to teach us that even if it's just been a year without three festivals in sequence, you're still liable. Then the Gemara suggested, according to Rebbe, Rebbe defines a year as 365 days, a solar year, even if you have a 13th month in the lunar calendar and therefore according to Rebbe also you could have a year go by where the year was a leap year in the Jewish calendar and so it's 365 day year but does not include all three festivals. But the Gemara wanted to know what about not according to Rebbe. It works according to Rebbe, what about according to the other opinions? So the Gemara says Kedatani Rav Shmaya. Rav Shmaya can explain a third answer to this question. How do we know what is the case that you can have a year go by without three festivals? Atzeres pa'amim chamisha, pa'amim shisha, pa'amim shiva. Rav Shemaya teaches in a b'risa that Shavuos, as referred to here in the b'risa as Atzeres, sometimes it can be on the 5th of Sivan, sometimes the 6th of Sivan, sometimes the 7th of Sivan. The Torah doesn't give a date for Shavuos. It just says it has to be 50 days after you start the count on Pesach. It has to be 50 days later after the Omer offering is brought. So how can Shavuos fall on the 5th, 6th or 7th of it depends, Rav Shemaya says, what is going to be of the months in between the start of the count and the end of the count. We are counting Nisan and Iyar, basically, because Shavuos is in Sivan and we start the count in Nisan. So Nisan and Iyar. If Nisan and Iyar are both male, they're both full. In other words, a Jewish, ca- a Jewish month can either be 29 days or, or 30 days because every month the lunar cycle takes 29 and a half days and we have months that are full days, so either 29 or 30. So if both of them are 30, what the Brysa refers to as mali, is full, then Shavuos will fall out on the 5th of Sivan. And if they're both chaser, if they're both only 29 days, then Shavuos will fall out on the 27th. If one of them is Mali and one is Chasa, one is 29 days and one is 30 days, Shavuos will fall on the 6th of Sivan. So how does this help us? Because in a year when Shavuos fell on the 5th of Sivan, and someone made a vow to bring a Korban to the Beis HaMikdash on the 6th of Sivan, so after Shavuos, the day after Shavuos, but the next year Shavuos fell on the 7th of Sivan. So it turns out that the anniversary of his vow, which is on the 6th of Sivan, was the day after Shavuos in the year he made his vow, but the day before Shavuos in the year that his vow reaches a full year after the vow. And therefore the year can go completely full through an entire year without the passage of all three festivals. So a very obscure case, but this is the case the Gemara says, according to Rav Shemaya, can make sense in the Brisa. You can have a year go by without three festivals if you make a vow on the 6th of Sivan, the day after Shavuos, 
are in the year when Shavuos was on the 5th of Sivan, and the next year Shavuos is on the 7th of Sivan, and therefore you've made a vow on the one day in the year that you can make sure that a year can go by without all three festivals. So the Gemara says, Uman Tanah the Palagaleder of Shemaiah. Okay, this is Rav Shemaya's view. Clearly not everyone agrees with him. Because if you go back to the Brysa on Daftalad, we pointed this out already yesterday or the day before, the list of Tanoim in the Brysa on Daftalad, who told us what has to happen in order for you to transgress the prohibition of Balta Acher, none of them said that if a year goes by without three, all three festivals, that is a good criteria for transgressing the prohibition. They all talked about how many festivals have to go by, but no one said that if a year goes by without three festivals, that's also a good criteria for transgressing the prohibition. The Tanakhama doesn't mention that. And therefore the Gemara says, Acherim he. It is Acherim. The Tanya, as we learn in the following Brysa, Acherim is going to disagree with Rav Shemaya as follows. Acherim, Omrim, Acherim say, Ein bin atzeres la'aseret, Ein bin Rosh Hashanah la'Rosh Hashanah, El Arba Yomim Bolvad. That there is nothing between the Shavuos of one year and the Shavuos of the year before, and there's nothing between the Rosh Hashanah of one year and the Rosh Hashanah of the year before, except for four days of the week. In other words, there is always four days difference in other words, if Rosh Hashanah of one year fell on a Sunday, then Rosh Hashanah of the next year will fall four days later, it will be on a Wednesday. And if Shavuos of one year fell on a Sunday, Shavuos of the next year will be on a Wednesday. Because the, a year is always exactly divisible by seven, by a week of days, left over remainder four. A year is always exactly four days more than being exactly divisible by seven. But if it was a leap year, in other words, in a leap year where there's an extra month, then the difference would be five days, not four days. Why does Rav, why do, do Acherim hold this? Because Acherim hold that every single month of the Jewish calendar follows a set pattern. You cannot have two consecutive months that are male, that are 30 days, and then two consecutive months that are chaser, 29 days. It's always one month male, one month chaser. One month male, one month chaser. One month of 30, one month of 29. Now, if Shemaya held, you could have two months of 30 days, and you could have two months of 29 days. That's how he could, it could turn out according to him. You could have Shavuot sometimes on the 5th, sometimes the 6th, sometimes the 7th. And how he could come up with this obscure case where you could make a vow the day after Shavuos one year, but it's the day before Shavuos the next year. Whereas according to Acherim, that can never be the case. You always have one month male, one month chaser, and therefore it turns out that the difference between one Shavuos one year and Shavuos the next year is always only four days of the week, and the same for Rosh Hashanah. And in a leap year, it's always five days. Why? Because in a leap year, the Acherim hold that the extra month added will always be 29 days, 29 days is exactly divisible by 7, remainder 1, right? 28 days is exactly divisible by 7, but there's one day left over if the month is 29 days. And that is the extra day that makes it 5 days difference between Shavuos of one year and the next year, rather than 4 days in a regular year, it's 5 days in a leap year. So according to Acherim, clearly the solution of Rav Shemaya cannot work because if one month is always male followed by a month that is chaser, you can never have two months that are male back to back or two months chaser back to back and you cannot have these extremities of the date of Shavuos like Rav Shemaya holds. The Gemara continues with another question about the prohibition against delaying payment of vows. Ba'i Rabbi Zeru asked the following question. What is the law about an heir? Someone who inherits 
the obligation to pay a vow. If a parent, a father, makes a commitment to pay a vow and then he passes away, the child inherits the obligation. Is the child going to be liable for transgressing the prohibition of delaying payment of that vow? On the one hand, the Torah talks to you. When you make a commitment to bring a nether, you shall not delay payment. That is clearly talking to the person who made the vow. He didn't make the vow. He's just the Yorish, he's just the inheritor, so he shouldn't be liable for delaying payment. O Dilma, or perhaps on the other hand, we had another Pasuk from which we learnt that there was a positive requirement to bring the vow at the first available opportunity. You shall come there to Jerusalem and you shall bring there your vowed offerings. And this teaches us that you have a positive requirement to pay them as soon as you can by the end of the first festival. And the Torah doesn't specify here who the vow is. The Torah just says, you have to bring it at the first available opportunity when you're coming to Beis Hamikdash. And at the end of the day, Vahamachayev, this heir is obligated to come to Jerusalem. He's coming and he's obligated to bring all the offerings that he has to bring. And therefore, maybe he should be subject to this prohibition, to these requirements about timely payment of a vow. So the Gemara answers Toshma. Kamala an answer from the following Brites, the Tani Rebichir Rebichir taught, Me'imoch, the Torah says, Kisidor neder Hashem Elokecha, when you make a neder, Lo sa'acher l'shamo, do not delay payment, Kidoreshi d'shem Hashem Elokecha, Me'imoch, because Hashem will seek it out, Me'imoch, from you. That's in the Pasuk about delaying payment of a vow, Prat le'yoresh, the Brites says, this excludes an heir, someone who has inherited a requirement to bring a vow. Because Me'imach, from you, who made the vow, only the vower is going to be liable to this prohibition. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, We actually already used this word Me'imach on Dafhei when we said it comes to include Leket Shikhan That Leket Shikhan these are three mitzvahs that a farmer has to do in Eretz Israel when he harvests his field, any sheaves that he forgot, any sheaves that dropped, any sheaves, and he has to leave also a corner of the field. That these are also included in the requirement to be brought, to be given within a certain time limit. They have to be given within, um, within a certain time limit in order to avoid the transgression of Balta'achir, of delaying payment of a vow. So if we've already used that word in the past to include Leket Shikhan how can we now also say that it comes to exclude someone who was an inheritor, an heir to a vow? So the Gemara says you can learn both laws from this word. Kori be imach or Kori be me'imach. You can use the word imach to include Leket Shikhan and then the mem, that's at the beginning of the word imach, me'imach, from you, that comes to exclude an heir. We've got an extra mem, in addition to it being an extra word imach, we've got an extra mem as well, and we can therefore learn both laws from there. And therefore the Gemara has taught that an heir is not liable to the prohibition of Balta Acher, he has to bring the korban, but he doesn't have to do so within a certain time limit. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.